Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. On July 30th, St. Louis gained a new resident, one who weighed 51 pounds at birth. So no, this wasn't just your normal baby boy. Tobias is a Somali wild ass. He's part of a subspecies that is both critically endangered and underrepresented in zoos nationwide. In fact, just by being born, Tobias increased the number of Somali wild asses in the United States by 1.5%. One of our producers, Emily Woodbury, went to the St. Louis Zoo yesterday to see Tobias and find out what zoo visitors know about the species. Where's the baby donkey? I'm Jacob. I'm from Edwardsville, Illinois. And what zoo animal are you most excited to see today? Um, I love seeing the giraffes and the zebras, but I also love going to the reptile house the most. Aaron from U-City. I like the uh, big cats and I like the apes. Uh, the orangutans were particularly active today, so that was fun. My name is Danico Richardson, and I'm from Missouri. Hey, Tom, Missouri. Uh, I'm ready to see the gorillas. I'm ready to see the gorillas. I want to see them so bad. I'm Cassie King, and I'm from Quincy, Illinois. My oldest one likes to see the snakes and then the giraffes, and then um, actually my youngest one likes the donkey right now, the baby donkey. Have you heard of, it's actually called the Somali wild ass. Have you heard of them before? No. Uh, Rachel from Fairview Heights. Have you heard of the Somali wild ass before? I have, yes. (laughs) I have not. It resembles a donkey, but with some uh, zebra markings. And the the little guy seems to be rather frisky. What have you seen the little one do? I believe that's Tobias. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Um, I've seen him annoy his mother. I think he's kicking his father now. Uh, He's a rather active little guy. I'm Amy from St. Louis, Missouri. Have you heard of the Somali wild ass before? I have. I joke and say that my husband is one of them. Um, Did you know they're critically endangered? No, I did not know that. No. I'm sorry to hear that. I did not know that. Doesn't surprise me given the uh, stuff that humans are doing to the environment these days. Do you have any guesses as to how many might be in the wild? Uh, We were just talking about this earlier. Uh, My guess would have been about 500 to 600, though. Uh, I would say probably 150. 3,500. Now that you say critically endangered, I would say 350. That's close. It's a little less than 200. Oh my gosh. That's so upsetting. Less than 200. That's amazing. That's sad. Oh my goodness. And we have one here in St. Louis. That's pretty cool. In your opinion, what's the most underrated zoo animal? Underrated, I would think, the anteaters. (laughs) The anteaters. I love them. I just think they're so funny. What do you love about them? I don't know. They're just, they're so awkward, but they're like cute and fuzzy. And I don't think people realize that. (laughs) They're so fun. (laughs) The most underrated is that uh, albino rattlesnake. You don't see too many of those. Um, I love the Takin. The Takin's right around the corner. What's that? It's like a goat that climbs really high, like an African goat kind of. So love those Takins. What would you say, in your opinion, is the most underrated zoo animal? Probably this one. I would have never stopped here, actually, to see it until my child said donkey. <laughs> so, probably this one. 
That was some sound gathered yesterday by producer Emily Woodbury at the St. Louis Zoo. Here with me now to talk about Tobias, the newborn baby Somali wild ass, is Tim Thier, acting curator of antelope at the St. Louis Zoo. Do you have a question for the antelope curator? And what do you think is the most underrated animal in the St. Louis Zoo? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Tim Thier, thank you for joining us. Oh, no problem. How are you today? Doing well. Let's just cut right to the chase on this one. The name Somali Wild Ass, that name really makes people giggle. It does, yes. Um, but it is good because it does catch the eye and it does make them pay attention to the species as well. So as many of your, your guests said, um, it's pretty underrepresented. Uh, not many people know about it. And it, mostly the adults will shy away from it just based on the name. But kids, children tend to read the graphic and actually learn about the animal itself. So it kind of depends on which demographic's actually reading the sign. So you've seen adults see that name and, and kind of back away, like they don't even want to go there? They don't want to explain it to their children typically, so they'll kind of just pass by or they'll say, look at the donkey and kind of move by quickly. So it's just, I think, easier for them to, than, than to explain the difference. Um, but there are a few that will explain it to their, their children. And like I said, most, most of our, our zoo guests, the children will read our graphics more and pick up more information than the adults will just in general. Hmm. That's good to see the kids at least are getting it. <clears throat> yes, exactly. So these animals, they, I got to admit, they do look a lot like donkeys. Tell us, what is the difference here? Well, they are, uh, you know, donkeys are domesticated from, from the African wild ass. So they are uh, a direct descendant of them. They, uh, the Somali wild ass is a bit different in that it has the, the dark, like zebra-like markings on its lower leg, and so domestic donkeys don't have those markings. And so there's even several, several, a lot of domestic donkeys still found in Africa, and you can tell them apart from the African wild ass based on those leg markings. Hmm. And as much as this is an animal that has a very funny name, the situation is not funny at all. As our producer, Emily, was talking about with some of your yep. zoo guests, there are fewer than 200 of these in the wild. How did that situation get to this awful point? Well, there are a few different threats to them. So they are still hunted for food and for traditional medicinal purposes in their native habitats. Um, and then second to that is uh, the people that live in that area are pastoralists, so they, they raise livestock for their, their livelihood. And their livestock competes with the Somali wild ass for food and water. It's a very hot desert-type environment, so there's very few resources. And then they're competing with each other based on that as well. And then, as I mentioned, there's still, there are domestic donkeys in, in Africa, and they will, as these uh, wild animals and livestock are closer together, more and more there's also interbreeding. So it, it uh, that affects the populations as well. Okay. Now, I understand the St. Louis Zoo that you have seven of the 68 Somali wild asses total that can we be do. found in American zoos. Yes. How, how did that come about, that there's such a St. Louis wild ass connection? Um, well, it, we're, that species is part of a species survival plan, um, and that's, uh, a, that's like a comprehensive breeding plan that's um, part of the associations of zoos and aquariums. And so all the zoos that hold that species in North America work together to ensure that we have a sustainable population. And it's all based on genetics. So the zoos will move animals back and forth based on who is a good genetic match for who. So for instance, Tobias's mom came from San Diego Zoo Safari Park back in 2005. And Harizzi, the dad, was actually born here. And so <clears throat> each year, the coordinator for that program will look and see which animals are a good match, and then we'll make those breeding recommendations based on that to ensure that the population remains as healthy and sustainable as, as possible. 
So just at this point, we've got we've got a number of these, but that could change if ones and other zoos need them um, to be partners. Correct. Yes, and so not many institutions have actually bred bred of the species. So there's only been five total that have been successful breeding them. So it's a it's a, a low number. So any birth that we get is pretty significant to the population. Um, there's only about 200, just over 200 left in in zoos worldwide as well. So not many in zoos. Um, so it's pretty important that we have this, what we call a safety net population. So if something happens to all the, the asses in the wild, we have these zoo populations that we can then hopefully build up. And once the situation is a bit better in the native habitat, you know, possibly reintroduce in the future. So how do the wild asses do in St. Louis? You mentioned that they're from this hot desert type climate. Mm-hmm. Things are obviously much different here. Are they happy in our St. Louis muggy heat? <clears throat> they are. They're used to the heat. And, you know, the desert actually gets cool at night, too, sometimes very cold. Um, um, so they actually uh, do well in our winters as well. So they're a very hardy species, um, one of the most hardy equid species. That you know they require very little water. Uh, they do well with with the heat. They do well with the cold. So they actually uh, thrive in in our climates, which is nice. And so let's let's talk about baby Tobias for a moment. Yeah. He's so adorable. <laughs> Were you there when he was born? He was actually born overnight. So he we were not here, but. We do have all of our animals that are due to give birth on video so that we can monitor them when we come in in the mornings. Um, and we will occasionally do night checks as well on the species that maybe it's the first birth for that animal. We'll come in and check on them periodically overnight to make sure everything is going well. But everything is videotaped, and that way we can come in in the morning. Like when we see Tobias was born, review the video and see when he was born, how mom and baby are bonding, and if he's nursing and everything like that. So it provides us a lot of information that we can then use uh, with our veterinarian team and make sure that everything's going well for both mom and baby. So in this video, was it a, a fairly standard um, labor and delivery? Uh-huh. She's a very experienced mom, which is nice. Um, and so they typically give birth laying down on, on one of their sides. So, uh, you know, they have a pretty standard um, labor. Most most ungulate species, so the species that have hooves that we work with here, they typically give birth overnight because that's when it's safer to give birth in the wild. And so that's kind of what they do here as well. So when somebody like this is born, they're 51 pounds. Mm-hmm. Can they immediately start walking around, taking care of themselves? Or They, they do. So the equid species, so the horses and zebras and the small wild ass, uh, they're what we call followers. And so after they're born, they very quickly can stand and walk and run. So they are protected by their moms, and they, they will run away from predators or threats. And so they can, they can very quickly get up and move. Um, other species of uh, ungulates, the antelope species, some of them are what we call hiders. And those like uh, similar to deer where the babies kind of just hide in the grass and wait for the mom to come feed them. And then she'll walk away and take care of herself and come back every once in a while to check on the baby. But the, 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 the equids, the zebras and asses, they can stand up and run very quickly after birth. And so is he going to be hanging out with his parents now for a little while? What's, what's the sort of the plan for him? He will. He'll, uh, so we um, typically wean our species at uh, the natural weaning age. So about a year or so, year and a half, he'll... Um, again, go into that species survival plan. So when he's ready to be weaned from his mom and go to a different zoo, we'll notify the coordinator and they will uh, locate another zoo that needs uh, an animal based on genetics and and where he fits well. So he will go to one of the other zoos that participates in this program. So for the Somali wild ass and for a a youngster like Tobias, what Mm -hmm. hope is there once species have hit this low of a number? Has anybody ever been able to come back from being on that critically endangered list? They have. So uh, there's actually another great ungulate uh, example, uh, a large antelope called the scimitar horned oryx was actually extinct in the wild in the 1970s. 
Um, and just over the last four to five years, they've been reintroduced into their natural habitats in Chad. Oh, wow. So when they're, while there was, you know, zero, um, there are now, I believe, over 200 animals, and the goal is to have at least 500 animals reintroduced back into native habitats. And they're breeding now, they're reproducing on their own, so they're doing fantastic, which is great. So there are success stories out there, and there is hope out there. A lot of it's just a, a matter of educating, you know, the people that live in that area. Conservation is not just about the animals. You also have to get the people that share the habitats with those animals to understand how important it is to live and cohabitate with them, you know, happily. They both need to su- survive and, su- and be successful in the same areas. What can people in St. Louis do um, to aid in that? Well, there's not a lot they can do directly for small bald ass, but there are a lot of uh, endangered species found in Missouri, and they can certainly help them. Uh, you know, one of the ah. great success stories at the zoo is called the Ozark Hellbender, which is a large salamander that's found in our streams in the southern part of the state. And uh, most people don't even know what that is or that it's an endangered species, but helping keep our streams clean is a, you know, is a, ma- is a major thing they can do to help. Um, you know, the American Burying Beetle is another uh, program that the zoo works with through our Wild Care Institute. It's an endangered species of beetle that uh, was once found in Missouri. And every year we reintroduce them into the wild. And same thing with the hellbenders. We introduce thousands of animals every year. So just by keeping the habitats here clean, we're helping species that uh, people may not even know that are, are endangered, but they're living in our own state. That's interesting. So maybe we can take this attention that Tobias is getting for being such a cute little um, wild ass, and we can use that to talk about some of these issues that are in our own backyard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's and that's one of the things we love to talk about the zoo is you know a lot of people don't know that we do conservation work outside of the zoo itself, and it's both you know in exotic places like Africa and Asia, but it's also right here in Missouri. There's a lot of endangered species in North America, and people can make a difference no matter where they live. You know, here in you know Illinois or anybody that comes to the zoo. Anybody, everybody can always can do something around their house to help uh, help save an endangered species. Maybe small, but they're doing something. Now, on a much less serious note, we did ask our listeners to weigh in on what is the most underrated zoo animal. We got a whole bunch of interesting responses. I kind of want to run this past you since you're there with these animals every day. Um, They say groundhogs because they're so fat and goofy. (laughs) (laughs) They like the capybaras, the okapi, red pandas, Mm -hmm. dwarf mongoose, uh, the harpy eagle, yeah, yeah. The naked mole rat, um, according to one person's five-year-old, everything in the insectarium. <laughs> Tim Thier, what would be your pick for the most underrated zoo animal? Oh, the most underrated. Um, <clears throat> I guess I would have to say uh, it probably wouldn't be something from our, our, my area, actually. So like I mentioned, uh, you know, like the Ozark Hellbender or, you know, the insectarium is a great place. Many people see bugs, and they just their first response is, ooh, that's disgusting. And they don't realize how many insects are endangered or, you know, there's pollinators are, are threatened around the world. And without pollinators, we don't have our food sources. And so I think, you know, the, the megavertebrates, you know, the elephants and the giraffes, they get a lot of attention just because everyone knows about them. But it's the smaller animals that are either considered, you know, typically gross or, you know, if it's a, if it's a you know, some sort of snake or salamander, it's slimy and gross too. So I think those are the ones that are most underrepresented just because of the misconceptions that most people have about them. Yeah, and they're a really critical piece of this whole puzzle here. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, you take out one, you know, one species and that can affect an entire, you know, chain of things that, that in the end will affect us as humans. 
We've got one more um, listener that we heard from on Twitter. Sean on Twitter says that the squirrels who live in the zoo are the most underrated. He says, just imagine being a standard North American gray squirrel wandering around, and then you stumble upon the tiger tiger enclosure. Bravest animals in the whole zoo. Tim Thier, i got to ask you one last question. Do you ever see squirrels come to a terrible fate in the St. Louis Zoo? Not very often. They're pretty, they're pretty fast and you know, pretty smart. They know where they can and can't go, uh, typically. And so they're more focused on getting food out of the trash cans than they are in wandering in the habitat. So they're, they're very well fed from all the uh, leftovers that our guests leave here at the zoo. There's a reason that they have survived and flourished so well in every environment. <laughs> yes, they can adapt very well, that's for sure. <laughs> that's Tim Thier, the acting curator of Antelope at St. Louis Zoo. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Have a great day. And for all of you, if you'd like to see a video of Tobias in action, our producer Emily Woodbury was at the zoo yesterday, and she's posted it on our Twitter account, which is at STL on air. Coming up, remember the 400. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.